Welcome back to the Field Guide to Body Language podcast. I'm Laurel, your host and fellow body language nerd. So I really had a great time with the Helena Bonham Carter episode. Um, in fact, like as I was listening to the final edit, I was just thinking to myself that maybe another case study was in order. That being said, um, other than Viola Davis, who I talked about in the Woman King episode and Helena Bonham Carter, no one really like pops up in my brain as being super versatile. But then Hugh Jackman came across my Instagram feed because he's bulking up for Wolverine again. And he and Ryan Reynolds have this whole thing going on. Um, And I remembered when I first saw his work and I I saw him as Wolverine in the X-Men movies, whenever the first one came out, like early 2000s. And then not too long after that, I saw him host the 81st Oscars. And I was like, "Oh, oh, my God, Wolverine can sing and dance. Those two things, being able to embody the Wolverine character and also to be able to give Gene Kelly a run for his money, well, that indicates a fair bit of range. So I thought I'd dig a little deeper into his work and see if there was really enough range to be notable for a case study. Spoiler alert, there was. Uh, So I watched clips from Wolverine because All of my memories of that movie were a bit fuzzy. And then I watched The Greatest Showman. Um, Well, I watched part of The Greatest Showman. Unfortunately, I used all of my patience for musicals up in middle school when I watched musicals constantly. And I just couldn't conjure up any interest in watching a musical. Um, And I was honestly about to call it and pick someone else when I saw a clip of the movie Pan. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, this, this is it. In Pan, Mr. Jackman plays Blackbeard, and he is barely recognizable, which is my favorite thing. I love it when the performer is well-costumed and heavily makeuped. It's a word. Um, because then I have to look into their movement to decide if it's really them, and that makes my day. So today is Hugh Jackman's day. And this is excellent fun for me, so we won't stop with just two case studies, but... Going forward, I could really use some help with who to spotlight. Um, I would prefer to highlight someone from an underrepresented community, a person of color, a performer who doesn't conform to traditional gender roles, um, or someone with a disability, but there aren't a lot of resources out there. So if you know of a performer who is versatile, please, please, please uh, DM me on Instagram or email me and let me know. I am at Laurel Foley on Instagram and you can email me at um, laurel at fieldguidetobodylanguage.com. So on to Hugh Jackman. Mr. Jackman is an Australian actor born in 1968. So he's in like his early mid fifties right now. Um, In the 90s, he worked in the theater, including doing a handful of musicals. He can totally sing and dance. Uh, He started tap dancing when he was in his late teens, and he's just excellent fun to watch. I put some links in the show notes for you guys. Uh, There's one of him hosting the Oscars and another that I don't think was sanctioned by the performance venue because it totally looks like it was taken on a cell phone, but um, it shows Mr. Jackman tap dancing. Those are for your viewing pleasure. 
as I said earlier, he does play Wolverine in the X-Men movies, uh, which he's been doing for like 20 years. It's been a minute and he's still going strong. And I do mean strong. He also starred opposite Meg Ryan in Kate and Leopold in 2001. uh, And he plays Blackbeard in the movie Pan. He's been in a boatload of other movies, but uh, the ones we're going to focus on today are Wolverine, Pan, and Kate and Leopold. So like with the last episode, I'm going to start with a baseline so we can get a good picture of what uh, Mr. Jackman is like when he's not playing a character. And I'm going to use a televised interview for this like I did with Helena Bonham Carter because I do not know Mr. Jackman personally. His late show um, interview with Stephen Colbert is linked for in the show notes. And I used Colbert again because um, I watch his interviews frequently. And so I'm less distracted by how he moves. Um, it It just helps me focus on the guest. The other thing that I will be using for the baseline is Mr. Jackman's Instagram account. There are a handful of videos. He's talks a lot about becoming Wolverine again, of course, but also he talks about basal cell carcinoma and martinis, a lot of martinis and his lovely wife. So, so anyway, there are just a lot of samples there. It's all public. And so you can go check it out. Let's start with his interview on the late show. As with Helena Bonham Carter, I watched the interview several times, once to kind of get the lay of the land and listen for the intended content, enjoy all the jokes and the friendly banter. And then I watched the interview again for each of the categories I wanted to observe. And I decided this time to watch the interviews on mute. It was a good decision. Um, I do use tone of voice as an effort indicator, so it was unfortunate to lose that, but it just helped me see the physical movement much more clearly. So highly recommend that. If you're getting distracted um, and observing from a video, then mute that sucker so you're not getting quite so much feedback. The first category I looked at was body, and no, we will not be drooling over his six-pack because I don't care about his six-pack. All that tells me is that he spent months doing crunches with his trainer. It actually doesn't really tell me anything about how his body is connected or his movement patterns, so drool over his six-pack on your own time. When I look at someone's body, I'm looking for any major alignment deviations that will influence how they move, but also I want to see how their body is connected. And this is something that isn't particularly visible in the late show interview. But since these patterns are neuromuscularly written in, we can expand what we're observing to see how Mr. Jackman's body is connected. And here, this is where it's really helpful that Mr. Jackman is a dancer because dance shows the full range of human movement only bigger. Dance is body language on steroids, and it's all magnified and just much easier to see. So if the connections and neuromuscular patterning aren't there, we may not see those idiosyncrasies in everyday movement necessarily, but good dancers have to be well-connected or it will show up big time in their dancing. So Mr. Jackman is a great actor to spotlight here because there is public footage of him dancing and acting and just being himself in an interview. So whatever isn't visible in the interview, we can look for in his dance footage. So let's let's talk about the body. There are six patterns of total body connectivity. We've talked about them before. Um, I really think we have enough movement samples here to bring them all to light. Um, even, even those first three connections, the first three are very 
basic, but they build a foundation to hold us together successfully. They are breath, core distal, and head tail. These first three connections are neuromuscularly patterned to support movement. Um, The way they would actually move the body is usually very subtle, but since dance magnifies body language, I think we'll actually be able to see those connections. Let's start with breath. The breath connection, among many other things, is deep, both physically and philosophically. It can be seen in how the breath moves the body. Sometimes I will tell a particular client of mine to breathe into one side or another of their lungs, and he's listening, you know who you are. Um, (laughs) And it helps to even out, what it does is when I ask him to breathe into that side of his lungs, it helps even out the position and the connection of his rib cage. Anytime you hear like a yoga instructor or a physical therapist say something like, breathe into that part of your body, that is using that breath connection as an inroad to the body. We see this, um, we see Mr. Jackman exhibit this at the beginning of the first part of the Colbert interview. Um, Colbert asks Mr. Jackman how many performances of the music man he did. And Jackman says 422. Right after that, Mr. Jackman takes a big breath and you can see if you watch his torso, how the breath reverberates in his upper body. He inhales, you can see it expand in his chest and his shoulders, and then it keeps rippling out and ends in a little like double nod of the head. This is a really great example of breath moving the body. The breath initiates the nod of the head. There's not just a nod of the head or a big breath. The breath initiates the nod of the head. If you watch it, you'll see it. The core distal connection is the neuromuscular patterning that lets our distal ends, hands, feet, head, and tail, be supported by and react to our core. No, still not the six-pack. In general, if you watch Mr. Jackman in his tap dancing especially, you'll see that his dancing, it, it feels very coordinated even though his limbs are all doing their own thing. The taps are going, the arms are circling, but it's very clear that it's all one connected movement. At the heart of the ability to keep that all coordinated is the core distal connection. The last of the foundational patterns is the head-tail connection. This connection um, is on a spinal level. And I want you to think about it today as how the shape of the spine supports the head and the facial expressions. Um, And that could be both physically and expressively, like the expressive movement of the spine, we'll say. For instance, in the second part of the Colbert interview, Jackman tells a story about Anthony Hopkins arriving on set for the sun. And as he's telling the story, his face is really animated, his hands are going and all of that is being supported by the shape of his spine. He is leaning his body into Colbert as he as he tells the story, and the head-tail connection is what supports that lean-in gesture or that leaning-in posture. It is actually, mm, it would be a leaning-in posture because really the spine allows you, allows the whole body to involve, to be involved. Posture is whole body, 
gesture is more segmental. So again, those are all very small movements, very small things that maybe we wouldn't even see if we weren't specifically looking for. Those three foundational patterns, though, breath, core, distal, and head, tail, they support the three moving connections. And these things are much easier to see. Upper, lower connection, the body half connection, and the cross lateral connection. And I think of all these in a pyramid. So breath is at the bottom and it supports core distal. Breath and core distal support head tail. And then all of those support the upper lower connection. And then breath, core distal, head tail, and upper lower support the body half connection. So these are building. It's the it's the supportive community we've all been looking for. It's just already built into our bodies. The upper lower connection creates forward and back movement in the body. Actually, I said those crunches didn't really matter, and I am wrong because they perfectly demonstrate the upper lower connection. Any forward folding motion is upper lower movement, and those crunches are forward folding. So I sit corrected. There's another sample of the upper lower connection on Mr. Jackman's Instagram account where he is doing leg presses on like that sitting leg press machine. I don't know what it's called, Um, but scroll down his feed until you find leg day and you will know what I'm talking about. It should be noted that backbending is also an upper lower connection movement, but there's a lot less of that in life. And I have not found any footage of Hugh Jackman doing gymnastics. But hey, if you find it, send it my way. I'm sure if he wanted to do a backflip, he could, and I would love to see it. Um, Actually, this is funny. (laughs) I I Googled Hugh Jackman backflip, and all I got were a bunch of articles and comments about how the way he looks at his wife will make your heart do a backflip. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that's so cute. Okay. Second, uh, or rather we are building these. So it wouldn't be second. It would be one, two, three, four. It would be fifth, uh, is the body half connection. This creates movement from side to side, like a jumping jack or a chasse, which if your ballet terminology is a little rusty, is like a hoppy sideways slide. So you can see bits of this connection in both his dancing clip and in the video of him hosting the Oscars. Last is the cross lateral connection. Uh, This creates a twisting motion in the body. It actually powers walking, running, but also turns, ooh, um, dance spins like a pencil turn in tap, uh, or in ballet, the cross-lateral connection creates chenets, pique turns, fuetes, um, what else? Ooh, there's a special name for turns that travel in a circle, and I have completely forgotten it. Oh my God, you guys, it's going to drive me crazy. My ballet terminology is slipping, folks. No, wait, um, I'm going to phone a friend. Well, text a friend. I don't phone anybody. Hang tight. My ballet buddies might come through here. What are turns that go in a circle? Okay. Okay. While we are waiting on that though, we'll get back to Hugh Jackman tapping. In the tap dancing clip of Mr. Jackman, you'll see the cross lateral connection show up about a minute into the clip. He does a step and identifies it as a time step and then does another and identifies it as a double. And then he does a little twisty step where his upper body turns one way and his hips and legs go the opposite way. That, that little twisty thing, that's the cross lateral connection. 
ooh, ooh, ballet friends to the rescue. A series of turns in ballet that travel in a circle on the stage is called a menage. You're welcome. That is for the next time you're on Jeopardy, folks. So the first three patterns, breath, core, distal, and head, tail, are all supportive patterns. And the last three produce movement we can easily see. Upper lower creates movement forward and back in the body. Body half creates a side bending motion. And the cross lateral connection creates twisting. Oh my God, I dove really deep down that rabbit hole. I have no idea where I am. What was I talking about? Um, Oh, 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 the late show interview. So we've seen that Jackman is very well connected in his dancing. Patterns of total body connectivity, check. There were some other things that popped up specifically in the interview that we should chat about. First, I think the most interesting thing to note about Mr. Jackman's body here is the lack of chest movement. He's really stiff in his torso, which really is to be expected um, when an actor bulks up for a role. And at the time of the interview, he is bulking up for Wolverine. Um, It's not uncommon that a significant gain in strength and muscle mass is accompanied by a loss in flexibility. Um, So I really, I shouldn't let that surprise me, but it does a little bit. There was some shaping to note though predominantly rising and widening. It gives um, it gives a really like uplifting and happy effect. What's interesting to me about this is that at the time of the interview, Mr. Jackman is finishing up a run of the music band on Broadway and rising and widening, like growing taller and broadening any part of your body, but I'm most notably in this instance, his chest. Um, that makes your presence bigger on stage. So this specific movement actually might be left over from 422 performances of The Music Man, or it might be something that lives in Mr. Jackman's body that is part of what makes him such a great stage performer. Either way, it's part of his movement uh, on the interview, so we're counting it as part of the baseline. As far as his effort life or effort preferences go, most of what I observed were variations in time and flow. It comes across like uh, like little jerky movements, but it's really, it's just enough to be functional and expressive in a conversation. Lively, lively. Let's say his effort fluctuations were lively. There's some occasional weight fluctuation between increasing and decreasing pressure, but that was mostly when he was doing his Wolverine pose. And so I'm not going to consider that in his baseline movement because he's clearly jumping into character there. Um, The last thing to note was that he addressed space directly. And when you're having a conversation or addressing an audience, that's needed, right? Otherwise, you just look out of it. Mm, Actually, that, that might be up for debate in addressing an audience. In a large audience, um, like if you're in a very large theater, if you can move into a flexible approach to space, it allows you to address the entire audience at once. But in the um, in the recording studio with Colbert, Jackman is more direct. And I think that is probably due to the fact that it's a smaller audience. So he's addressing his space directly. Um, and I do think it's needed for the space. I, mm, this is interesting. If you saw, this was a while ago, but Joaquin Phoenix was on Letterman. Um, 
I, I don't know how long ago this was, but it was Letterman. So that'll, that'll date it a little bit. Um, I will leave a link for you in the show notes so you can go back and watch it. I really think that if you watch uh, Mr. Jackman and Joaquin Phoenix kind of side by side, it will make my point pretty clear. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix was on Letterman and I don't, I don't know what the circumstances around the interview were, but uh, Phoenix was not very responsive to Letterman. And regardless of why he wasn't responsive, if you look at the interview and just watch um, Joaquin Phoenix's movement, you'll be able to see why Jackson's effort life and attention to space make him such an engaging part of the interaction with Colbert. Okay, that's the baseline. He is very well connected in his physical body, which we can see is in his dancing ability. His effort life tends to favor fluctuation in flow and time, and he mainly creates shapes that rise and widen in space. So let's take that and compare it to how he performs in Wolverine. There are a bunch of X-Men movies with Wolverine, but the one I watched or revisited for the podcast was The Wolverine. It came out in 2013, so it's smack dab in the middle of the series. Um, and we'll we'll chat about effort first. In The Wolverine, Mr. Jackman really leans into bound flow. If you watch the movie, you'll see this as like a clenching or a gripping in his whole body. And it's accentuated by the fact that he's ripped in the movie. One of the things we look for in both bound flow and increasing pressure is an increase in muscle tension. The difference is increasing pressure acts on the environment. So muscle activation plus energy out and bound flow is muscle activation plus energy in. It's that element of control that kind of pulls the energy back in. So actually... This is a great place to dig into the nuance between increasing pressure and bound flow because sometimes they can actually be really hard to differentiate, but Mr. Jackman does them both as Wolverine. If you watch the first part of the movie where he goes into the bar to avenge the bear, it's about 10 minutes in, he stabs an arrow into one of the hunter's hands. That's increasing pressure. He's acting on his environment. Then the little speech that Wolverine does after stabbing the hunter, that's bound flow. You can feel the anger building up, but he's containing it, at least for the moment. One more thing that is effort adjacent. Um, you remember how in the Helena Bonham Carter episode, I mentioned how unsettling one of her Bellatrix Lestrange expressions was, where she widened her expression with directness. And we talked about how those two things aren't affined. Well, Wolverine pairs narrowing with directness. It makes up that like classic Wolverine facial expression. But those two things are theoretically affined or matched. So where the mismatch of Bellatrix Lestrange leaves you feeling like you're not really sure what she's going to do next, the directness matched with narrowing tells you exactly what Wolverine is focusing on. Now let's talk space. There's an interesting moment when Wolverine is walking into Yashida's, I hope I said that right, Yashida's funeral. Um, and as he is walking, he's assessing threats. He's taking in all the space 
but addressing the situation one possible threat at a time. This is something that especially action heroes do a lot in the movies. If you watch like a Bond movie or a thriller, you won't always see this in such an overt way, but with many action hero movies, you'll see this kind of display of assessing threats. And as I was watching this, um, like this little bit of the movie, I was like, oh, he's taking in all the space around him. That's very spatially flexible. But as I tuned in more and really paid attention to how he addressed space, it was direct. He didn't take in everything at once, which would have been flexible. He went from one point to the next very methodically. So this was a moment of directness. I think the last thing I want to mention about Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine is his fighting style. This I find interesting because he uses a combination of a scratching motion and a stabbing motion. I dug into the fight choreography a little bit to see who the choreographer was for the movie, but all I got were a bunch of clips of Scott Adkins doing stunts, uh, which was very cool, but I really wanted to look into his fighting style and see if it was inspired by any specific form of martial arts. And I just, there was no luck guys, which is fine. We can talk about it anyway, but I wish my research was more fruitful. So we have a combination of scratching and stabbing with the upper body. There's a lot going on with his legs too, but I think we can put that in a box uh, at least until we have a guest on the show who can talk about martial arts with more authority than I have. I think I am correct in thinking that the Wolverine blades are knife-like. So there's one sharp side, which is the palm side, and one less sharp side, which is oriented to the dorsal or the back side of the hand. So for maximum damage, maximum sliceability, he needs to strike his opponent essentially in the orientation of a slap. But since he's got knife hands, it's a darn deadly slap. He also does a stabbing motion, like a fencing lunge. I am so sorry. I don't know the technical term for this. If you are well-versed in fencing and I have insulted you, I apologize. It's, it's kind of like Wolverine is fighting with a sword, but his hands are oriented differently. And because his hands are oriented differently, so are his shoulders because they're all connected. Cordistal, baby, bring it on. Um, okay, so that's that's Wolverine. Let's contrast that with Mr. Jackson's portrayal of the pirate Blackbeard in the movie Pan. Pan is an adaptation of Peter Pan, which was released in 2015. It was not a great movie. It didn't do well at the box office. And um, if you haven't seen it, you really aren't missing much. But if you want to follow along, as of the time of this recording, Pan is on Netflix. What was really cool was to watch Mr. Jackman as Blackbeard. About 20, 20, 21 minutes into the film, Blackbeard makes his entrance while singing Smells Like Teen Spirit. And that makes my day Every time I watch it, I could just watch that clip and be like, okay, I'm ready to start my day now. Hugh Jackman dressed up, made up, singing Smells Like Teen Spirit and walking around his pirate ship. Excellent. I love it. There is this great mix of sauntering down the walkway with free flow, uh, which you can see in the looseness of his gait. His steps wiggle his body all the way up to his shoulders and head and also directness. As he is walking, he's looking exactly where he is going and becoming even more focused as he walks. It gives him the air of someone who 
well, someone who owns the joint, which he does. Then he jumps up onto the railings to like scream sing into an abyss of lost boys and modulates into increasing pressure and directness. Is there still free flow there? Yeah, I'm going to say there is. And that combination of increasing pressure and free flow really feels aggressive. When I think about that combination, free flow, increasing pressure in a villain, that's the kind of effort state or drive that can get really violent because they know what they want and they aren't trying to control their urge to go out and get it. Are there different iterations of increasing pressure and free flow? Yeah, absolutely. It could be wild and innocent, but in a villain, it's particularly scary. There is another notable moment where uh, this effort combination shows up about 27 minutes in. The pirates are trying to find Princess Tiger Lily and her people. And in that discussion, Jackman yells, there is no time. And when he yells, there is no time, he modulates from bound to free flow and accelerates. Those two modulations are what create the explosive effect of the statement. It's a very cool moment. You should watch it. Um, If you do happen to scroll through the movie, also stop around 44 minutes in when Blackbird is Blackbird. I'm so sorry. When Blackbeard is at the rejuvenator, there is a real there's a really great transition in his facial expressions from the time the first mate knocks on the door to the time Blackbeard opens it. And it's just fun to see. Another great place to stop is about an hour and 23 minutes in and see if you can catch Mr. Jackman's Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man moment. And then DM me and tell me what you see. Both moments are nice, like little variety pieces that are not present really at all in Wolverine. Once Jackman commits to Wolverine, he is there. Muscles scowl the whole nine yards, the whole movie. In Pan, though, there's a lot of effort modulations. Watch those last two clips and let me know what you think. Next, Kate and Leopold. Kate and Leopold is a rom-com. It came out in like 2001, I think. Anyway, early 2000s. Anyway, Meg Ryan is in it. So is Stuart Besser, obviously, who Jackman is in it. I will say that one of the bright points of going back and re-watching this was seeing Viola Davis. She has a very small role as a police officer. And like, oh my God, the casting director missed out. They had Viola Davis on set and they gave her five lines. That's the kind of thing that makes me want to slap some win and be like, oh my God, do you even understand how much talent this woman has? But that's not why we're here. Here is the story of Kate and Leopold in a nutshell. Stuart and Kate were dating until like a month ago. And then Stuart finds a portal and travels back in time a hundred years and wanders around New York City for a while. And then Leopold, who is supposed to be busy finding a wife, follows Stuart home to present day. Of course, since it's a rom-com, Kate and Leopold fall for each other, and then Kate travels back in time to marry Leopold. Happy ending, check. Because, of course, a girl following a guy and getting married is the only happy ending possible. There is a fair bit of material in Kate and Leopold, but I want to narrow it down a bit to highlight Jackman's range. Also, if I talk about all of all three of these movies, we'll be here for six hours. 
when Leopold is transported to modern day New York City and is wandering around, he does have a very Wolverine look on his face. There is a lot of narrowing in his brow line, but it's absent the increasing pressure and bound flow. So it's reminiscent of Wolverine, but not an exact copy. Um, And then later on the movie, as you see him start getting used to living in present day New York, he softens that a lot. There is one moment where he's telling um, a neighbor kid a story about a pirate and he acts out the story as he's telling it. What I love about this moment in the film is how similar it could be to the movements in Wolverine, but Mr. Jackman softens the whole thing and the effect is completely different. As he's telling the story, he covers one eye to mimic an eye patch, and then he furrows his brow, a la Wolverine, and then thrusts one arm and the vicious TV remote forward to mimic swordplay. And it's all done with minimal effort modulations. So it doesn't feel threatening at all. It just feels like a fun, entertaining story. Another fun contrast was, um, okay, uh, remember up at the top of the episode, I was talking about the difference between increasing pressure and bound flow and the increasing pressure example was Wolverine stabbing the hunter in the hand and the bound flow was this little monologue afterwards. Put a pin in that. In Kate and Leopold, about 37 minutes in, Kate, Leopold, um, and Kate's brother, Charlie, are all having dinner together and Kate has made my kind of a meal bag salad, and then a mishmash microwave entree. Um, But you can see that it's not what Leopold is used to. And so he just very gently pushes his plate away and politely asks for the next course. Kate scoffs and she's like, there's no next course. And what follows is a very calm, and I won't even say firm, it's more factual um, statement from Leopold about how the meal is a result of study. And he goes on and on about the culinary arts. But what's interesting is that he's stating facts, both as Leopold and as Wolverine, but in a completely different way. Leopold is very calm, very real. And I just feel like there there are no flow fluctuations at all. Um, In fact, there are very little effort modulations there. He is really low key and he stays that way. There's another very measured and calm speech about 55 minutes in uh, where Leopold talks about the Louvre. He's right back into that same set of calm, Leopold movements. And this is this is different than Wolverine, more mellow, but also different than Mr. Jacqueline's baseline. Remember how we talked about how in the Colbert interview, Jackman did a lot of rising and widening, um, and he favored fluctuations in time and flow. And it made him come across as a very lively interviewee. As Leopold, he stepped away from the rising and widening and toned the effort fluctuation way down. And that's what creates this very calm character. I think I think the main takeaway from Leopold is how soft and calm he can be. It's a combination of deceleration, free flow, and decreasing pressure. In short, it's the opposite of how Mr. Jackman portrays Wolverine. One of the things I look for when I look for range is not just that the full spectrum of effort, um, well, body effort, shape, and space are readily available, but also that the actor can really live in the elements and the space and be comfortable not just acting like the character, but living 
in the character. The other thing I look for is that an actor doesn't sink into their everyday mannerisms. And since she's on set anyway, let's just let's consider Meg Ryan because she has a lot of quirks that are visible in a lot of her roles. Um, Oh, this might be a huge can of worms. Oh, well, I can do this. I got this. First, uh, Meg Ryan has a telltale gate. Watch her entering for an interview. There's an, she did an Ellen interview. I will link it for you in the show notes. And all you really need to do is watch her entering the stage. And there are a couple of moments in Kate and Leopold where you can see a really clear picture of her gait. Um, but when you watch her walking, um, I don't know if she has a leg length differential or a wee bit of scoliosis, but her gait is unevenly weighted and her arms tend to kind of fall behind her a little bit when she walks. And this is why it's so important to look at the body first. If we didn't understand that Meg Ryan's uneven gait was a reflection of her physical body in some way, then we could mistake it for an expression. Like, oh, she's walking that way to be cute or upset or whatever. But but no, that's how she walks. It's an expression of her physicality, not her emotions. So, so actually, that's not a mannerism at all, or at least not when she's choosing to express but she does have a lot of mannerisms that aren't, I'm going to say, written into her physicality that carry through from When Harry Met Sally all the way through to Ithaca. The shake of her head, the telltale stop and start of her movements. And I bet if you've seen a handful of her movies, you can picture what I'm talking about. And this is not a bad thing. This is something that makes her unique. Um, I think that those mannerisms are also a part of what makes her one of America's sweethearts. Um, But you can see them throughout her film career and in various out-of-film instances like interviews. Mr. Jackman really does a good job of limiting that crossover. Does Leopold's confused face look a lot like Wolverine? Yeah. But that might be a lot due to Mr. Jackman's brow line. There really is very little crossover from role to role. Now, I will say, um, I really wish I had time to watch Mr. Jackman in the sun and include my analysis here. But I already had to rent Kate and Leopold twice. Um, and the sun isn't free on Prime yet. But there was a clip of it on the Colbert interview, and I am really looking forward to seeing it. Just that one little clip showed a lot of Mr. Jackman's variety, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. It'll be super fun to analyze. That is all for today, my friends. If you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review. And if you have any questions, you can DM me on Instagram. I am at Laurel Foley. Um, Or you can email me. I am laurel at fieldguidetobodylanguage.com. Bye, friends.